This is Show Up as a Leader, a show from People Forward Network, helping you maximize your positive impact on the world by becoming your best, fully authentic self. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. You know, I keep thinking about all that's going on in our world today, and we know that stress and burnout are seemingly at an all-time high, and we know that our well-being matters so much for us to get through the good times and the challenging times, and organizations need to support their people as whole people, not treat them like machines with old-school, outdated wellness or else type of programs. And that's why I'm so excited for this conversation that I had with Nicole Dula. Not only is it always great to sit down with someone with a background coming up from supporting employee well-being, but she's rocking it. She's the Associate Vice President of Employee Health and Life Work Strategies for Adventist Health, and she is really paving the way of what it means to create a space for human and effective teams. And I think you're going to walk away from this conversation inspired and encouraged with simple yet really practical and tangible things you can put into place, not only for yourself to really support yourself with your well-being, but also your teams and really just what does it mean to honor the whole person? You are going to love the intentional practices that Nicole has on her team to honor boundaries, and they are so, so important. And so before we get into it, if you have not yet, please make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and leave a review and rate the episode. It makes such a huge difference. So get ready to be full of hope, wisdom, inspiration, and tangible things. And I would love to hear what you are applying in your own life and on your teams from this conversation. Nicole, I am super excited to be having this conversation with you. It's always such a joy to meet people who also have, for lack of a better way of putting it, grown up through the employee wellness and exercise science space and really kind of expanding their wings and looking more broadly at what it means to support people in being as whole as possible and as well as possible in our challenging world. And so I'm really excited to have you share your journey and what you're doing and things people can think about because it's been rough, right? The last couple of years and beyond. And you've been really intentional at Adventist Healthcare to make sure that people feel truly cared for by the organization and taking a really integrated approach. And I know that that's hard anytime, but especially during COVID. Can you speak a little bit to why that's so important to you and what have you been doing to help people feel cared for? It's something that I'm so excited about. I think number one, what's the saying that people don't care until they know how much you care. And so as an organization, recognizing people as humans who have lives outside of work and for the roles that they play within the organization and outside of the organization is a really important part of getting people to bring their best selves to work and helping them to be productive and to creating a culture that people want to be a part of and want to come to work. And so what I do in my role is try to cultivate that within my own teams as we're positioned within 
our human resources department, but I also have the pleasure of impacting the culture of the organization, impressing those messages out through the way that we provide service to our employees, whether it be well-being, benefits, the employee assistance program, or through our services in occupational health. I love that. So let's just start with your team, because a lot of people listening might be thinking, well, maybe I don't feel like I have the influence of the organization, but I know that I can influence on my team. So what are some of the things you're doing on your team to help people have that sense that they're cared for and help feel like their well-being is supported? I think it's really important to start dialogues and most importantly, be able to listen and accept the feedback that you're hearing. So we do a lot of communication on our team, not only about projects and where we can break down silos and collaborate, but we also talk about basic needs. We talk about the work that's going on. How are you reacting to that? What does your plate look like? How can I support you? Which is a lot of the conversations that we as leaders are having, but we're also having intentional conversations about boundaries and having some of those critical and crucial conversations and coming to the table and saying, hey, you seem stressed to me today, or this isn't the typical you that I see. Let's unpack that. How can I help share with me what's going on, and then transitioning from the leader of the dialogue to really just an active participant and listening in that human interaction, and then identifying maybe you don't have an answer, but the individual feels heard, they feel validated, and they know that you're there as a support system to help them move forward. And it's just an important part of creating a culture and really embodying the word team. I love that on so many levels. And what's coming up for me is we all have a core human need as human beings to feel like we matter and to feel like we're heard and seen. And one of the things that I see with the clients we work with and coach that they get so stuck in the doing of tasks that they forget to check in on the human side. And I will say for our healthcare clients in particular, or some other professions where service really is at the heart and they're not abiding by the, you know, put your own oxygen mask on before helping others, putting themselves last and not setting those boundaries. And so you mentioned that you have those boundary conversations. Can you talk about what have been some of the lessons that you've learned throughout the pandemic as it relates to the importance of boundaries and burnout and and self-care? I think one of the key pieces that people don't recognize or see is that the doing is going to get done. You hire people and you interview them to the skills and abilities that you need. And it's the soft skills that you also want to investigate, but those are the ones that you can help to cultivate as well. And so when we talk about setting boundaries, my team in particular went through an exercise at the beginning of the year, almost as if a resolution were being set. And my directive to everyone was to go back and to think of three new boundaries that would help them to take care of themselves holistically and their families this year. And then the role was that in our one-on-one meetings, we would be sitting down and communicating those boundaries to our managers. And it really opens up a dialogue, not only that the individual can set a boundary, but now you've communicated that boundary. And so your peers and your managers 
are going to respect it to give you the space that you need. And so some of the things that I heard from team members that were amazing was, I can stay late one night a week, but the other four days a week, I need to be out at four so that I don't miss sports with my kids. Okay, that's certainly a boundary that we can respect. Some of them were, I spent the entire pandemic working from home, even if I was sick, working on the weekends, because I knew that people needed me and things needed to get done. So this year, I'm going to make sure that when I'm sick, I'm taking PTO and I'm really going to focus on rest. And then there's a follow-up dialogue that happens of, great, how are you going to let the team know when you're out on PTO to respect that boundary? And, oh, well, I think I'll just put an out of office up or I'll send an email because now no one emails first. Maybe they'll send you a text. Maybe they'll send you a Teams. And so even when you're out on PTO, you're sucked into this dialogue. And so how do we really separate ourselves from our job when we need that downtime? And so we heard a lot of really great boundaries, and most of them involved our families. And so it opens the door to ask more about well, you say sports, what is Johnny into nowadays? Or, oh, I can relate to that. And so it creates this connection that wasn't there before. And the real trick is that now that this boundary has been established, you've got to hold the line and think, I'm not going to contact that person, even if it is an emergency on their PTO. I'm going to find a different way to handle this. And their teammates have to do the same, but it really allows people to step away to regroup, to rejuvenate themselves, and to come back as the best version of themselves the next day, the next week, the next month, whatever it is. I love the intentionality that you put behind that. It's great for us as individuals to think about what boundaries we have. And I know for me, it's ongoing. Sometimes right when we're stressed or things are busy, it's easy to overpack our schedule or to not honor those boundaries. And so to really be deliberate about identifying what are those and what does that need to look like for me to honor those. It's like an exercise we do with people of what are the ingredients you need to be your best, right? But the second part that I love that I don't think enough teams do is it's really rallying support. So it's fine if you know your boundaries, but I love that you're sharing it with each other as a team because Right. We all have our moments where our humanity gets the best of us. And if I know that so and so on my team, that this is a boundary for them, I can help honor and protect it just like I would like them to honor and protect it for me. And I know my team knows that, like, when I get overscheduled, that I don't show up as a great leader for them. And so they've learned, like, I have to block my schedule and manage my schedule in a certain way in order for me to show up in the best way for you. I just love that you're creating that structure. That's fabulous. I think it goes back to our well-being and our exercise science roots. You know, if you really want to accomplish a goal, you've got to let someone else know that it's a smart goal. So if I want to lose 25 pounds, but I don't tell anyone in my family that we're going to start cooking healthy meals and we're going to become more active and things of that nature, well, then I'm really on an island. There's no support system there. But when you create a smart goal, you know how you're going to achieve it and you bring other people in as a support system, that's how meaningful change happens. I think this is a good transition into when you are having those conversations, one of the things that stands out to me is it's really about honoring people's humanity. And 
I would say that old school, I'm not even going to call it leadership. I'm going to call it management taught us that, oh, you have to have it all together and you have to separate business from personal and you have to show up in this different way. And what we're learning, thank goodness, with soft skills now even being referred to as power skills and essential skills is that it is really critical that we are able to show our human side as a leader. And I know that you've been through a journey yourself. So can you share why you think it is important for leaders to be able to show their human side and the journey you've been on to be able to do that for yourself and your team? No one wants to work for a machine. And I think the more you create these opportunities to give these glimpses into your personal life, I think the more of a bond that is shared, I know on my team specifically, there's quite a few women and we all have children. And as we bond over some of the mom guilt that happens when you're leaving for a conference for five days and you need someone to validate that that feeling is real, that yes, you are a mother, but you are also career focused and going places and this is an exciting opportunity but it creates an additional bond. It creates that opportunity to say, you know what, you're right, we're in this together. And we experienced a lot of that during the pandemic. And so my team, if you think about all of the things that we accomplished, every healthcare worker who was sick or injured came through our occupational health team, our life work strategies team, as always, was focused on administering COVID-19 vaccines to our internal population, but also to our external community. There really wasn't a lot of downtime. But I think what matters most to people is when you show up beside them, you mask up, you roll up your sleeves, and you dive in to support them and show your support and help to physically carry the load it creates a team environment that really can't be duplicated by someone who's willing to sit on the sidelines and call the shots. When people know that you are willing to walk the walk and talk the talk and be right alongside them, it's that connection. It's a string that bonds us all. And I will say that we are a better team for all of the stress that we went through and the last very difficult two and a half years because those shared experiences are what help to bring us together in those memories. And we recount those shared experiences and that influences our future interactions and our relationship as it moves forward. Isn't it interesting that I think we learn the most about ourselves and others through those challenging seasons and experiences than when things go well. It amplifies who we are. And so when we can see that other people are being real, that other people are pitching in, that other people are admitting struggle, it kind of gives us permission to do the same. And so I love how you talked about, you know, that people don't want to work for machines. I mean, we're not machines. We're not predictable, controllable machines. We are complex human beings that are messy, that get in our own way, and we're constantly evolving. And so when you think about exemplifying being human and being human as a leader. Can you share a little bit about your evolution of self that has allowed you to do that, right? To be that human versus something you think you're supposed to be? Like, how have you shown up authentically? 
This is a tough one because a lot of us step into manager and leader a young age and probably without the skill set that's necessary. We're the doers and we're really good at getting things done. And so automatically people push us into these roles as leaders and managers. And I think we talked about this before. I can remember my first time managing two really difficult people and thinking, it's all black and white. It's all by the rules. There is no gray area. And after every conversation, I found myself crying in the bathroom stall. There's plenty of toilet paper there. So you dry your eyes, blow your nose and suck it back up and go out to to fail again. And so it wasn't until I had the opportunity to see other leaders in action, true leaders, not managers, people who were creating culture and driving change and who were very strategic in the way they led their teams, where I started to think, this isn't who I have to be. I can manage in a way of taking this amazing quality from this leader that I interacted with, and I'll pick up a little bit of this here, and I read a book, and I really like that style but making them all your own to create this authentic leadership style is a really important part of being successful, but also having successful teams. And the more you can step outside of yourself to say, well, this is an area where I really excel, but have the humility and self-awareness to say, these conversations are where I'm not successful. And how do I garner that skill or sharpen that blade to be a more effective leader. And to be honest, a lot of it, you can read, you can see people do it, but it's trial by fire. And so you've got to be able to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, put yourself in those situations and say to the people who are in front of you, hey, I'm learning this at the same time I'm doing it please give me a little bit of grace. You know, I want to help you as well. And just being open and candid and knowing that you're never going to have it all together in any single moment. And it's the evolution, it's the learning, it's the developing and the honing skills and being self-aware that helps us to develop that style. And it's really always a work in progress because every person that comes before you has a different personality, a different need, and needs to be approached and interacted with in a customized way. And so if you really think about it, it's an awesome challenge that you get to take on every single day and just growing and honing those skills and the diversity of the needs and the people that you're interacting with. I love that. In the work we do with teams and groups, I always say, you know, when you are signing up to be human and authentic and be a courageous leader, you are signing up to fall down, whatever that looks like. You might be crying in the bathroom, like you are, you're going to, you're going to do things clumsily. And I think so often people feel like, oh, if I don't show that I have it all together for my team, they're going to think less of me versus no, like they're going to maybe support you and lean in and respond with empathy and compassion rather than you trying to be all armored up and self-protective and keeps you from being able to be present, be in the moment, be connected, and really be effective. When you think about what does it mean in today's day and age to really support 
people's well-being from a work standpoint. And I love what you're saying is we really have to go beyond some of these, I'm just going to say token programs and really look at how we develop leaders. Are we creating the conditions with all the different puzzle pieces that go into that, that really allow people to feel valued versus being, to your point, a machine put in this box and here's a program for everybody when that's not what people need, especially in the last couple of years. It's really interesting the evolution that the industry has taken in general. So I remember a time when a wellness program was nothing more than a step challenge on a quarterly basis. And we were worried about physical bodies. And that was it. And now if you really think about it, Every leader has the opportunity to focus on well-being and program, if you will, towards that to create a culture on their team. So when we think about it, we're not just worried about bodies anymore, right? We've got to worry about the physical. We've got to worry about the mental. And in some cases, we've got to worry about the spiritual connection that people have as well. And so as a manager, when we find ways to lean into those areas and recognize that today, Judy may be struggling physically and mentally, and maybe she does need a walk. Maybe you just need to say, hey, step outside. Let's do a walking meeting today. Let's have a change of environment. Let's problem solve together. And that's enough. But there are times when Judy may not need a a walk to decompress. Judy may need some PTO. And we've got to be brave enough as leaders to worry about the holistic well-being of our team and have the sense to approach the individual and say, hey, I see that you're struggling. Do you want to talk about it? give them the opportunity to talk about it. And then again, there's not always an answer, but sometimes the answer is, it seems to me like you would benefit from disconnecting for a while. What are your thoughts around that? And helping people to come to that decision to prevent their overall burnout. Burnout and resiliency are things that people have started to really talk about following the COVID-19 pandemic, but they were happening far before that, we just never programmed to them. We programmed to the things that we can see, obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes. These are physical conditions that we can see, we can test, and we can measure. But until recently, people haven't been focused on measuring mental health of the workforce or measuring someone's burnout or resiliency capabilities. And a lot of, as we know, other ailments, stress builds up and manifests in our body and shows up in all kinds of ways. And so in many ways, what historically organizations have done is treat the symptom than looking at the complex cause. And there's a lot of factors that go into the cause. And culture is ultimately experience and built at that local team level anyway. So if if each person can think about what can I do on my team to start to foster that culture of psychological safety where people can lean in, where we are caring about boundaries, where we're having those conversations about what are you needing, where we're speaking up, even when it's hard, whether it's to ask for help, admit we're struggling or whatever, it's so critical. So I, I, I love everything you're doing and I just kudos to you for that. And so I want to not really turn the tables, but shift gears a little bit to you 
as a human being, speaking of showing up authentically and in human, not a machine, one of the things that I have learned is that no matter how much work we do on ourselves and how evolved we become, that it is in our common DNA as human beings to get in our own way and to tell ourselves stories that keep us safe and small, right? That are self-limiting, self-protecting, again, and sometimes they get in our way more than others. So what I would love for you to share, Nicole, is what is a self-limiting story that you still tell yourself sometimes? And when it shows up, how do you move beyond it so you can still show up as a leader and maximize your positive impact? This is a tough one. This comes down to that self-awareness piece, right? (laughs) That I talked about. And when you have to be vulnerable, lean in and share So since it's a podcast, you can't see me, right? You can hear my voice, but I am a young, short-statured woman, and in my leadership roles coming up through the ranks, I always seem to be the youngest. And so when you're 25 and managing a team of 10, sometimes you feel a little out of place, especially when you're managing people who are certainly more senior to you in experience and age. And as I came into my new role, it really was just reactivated for me. You would sit in these boardrooms and you would look around the table looking for someone who is like you, someone who is young and extrovert and outgoing and just really wants to conquer the world. And when you look around that table and you see men who are 15 and 20 years your senior, who are in suits and very buttoned up and ties, and the women that are around the table are the same, much older, just more life experience. And you start to think to yourself, maybe I don't belong. Maybe they don't want to hear what I think because my perspective is so different from what they see. Maybe my feedback isn't wanted. Maybe it's not needed. Maybe it won't be valued. And so there's this period of time when that starts to creep in where I can be very quiet and sit around a table and listen to others and formulate these opinions in my head thinking, well, they need to know this. They need to know this. And it really is the self-talk. It's the taking the deep breath and saying, I'm here for a reason. I've earned my seat at this table and I'm here because they need a different perspective. And if I don't speak up, They'll never know what the nurse on 2B who's 30 years old with two kids really needs to be successful. They won't understand that childcare is something that people need. They won't understand the stress and the burnout that the pandemic has caused that we need to address and acknowledge and work on. And so I tell myself that every time I speak up, every time I share an experience, there is someone like me who didn't get a seat at that table. And so it's not only my responsibility to be there for myself, but it's my responsibility to be there for other people like me who don't get the opportunity to sit in that boardroom. And 
it's helpful. It, it gives me purpose. My purpose is larger than just me sitting in a meeting. My purpose is to represent others who don't have a voice on the particular subject that we're talking about. I love that. Giving others a voice. Yeah. When we recognize that we're either giving other people permission to speak up who come after us or giving them a voice in that space. That's fantastic. So are you ready for our quick questions segment? I hope so. Hopefully I can be nimble and think on my feet, but yes. All right. Fill in the blank. Living authentically is? Living authentically is knowing who you are and showing up the same way in good times, in bad times, in times of stress, being authentically you. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. When the world is presenting an opening, but you don't feel like showing up as a leader, what do you do? Remind myself that leadership is a privilege and there are other people who haven't received that privilege yet, but you got to suck it up and do the job that you are meant to do and that you are privileged enough to do to represent other people and to lead them. Fantastic. And I love that you put it as a privilege because it really is. And I think sometimes we forget that. It's an awesome responsibility and it is a privilege. What is something people would be surprised to know about you? Probably, and maybe it's not even surprised anymore. I think my background in exercise science and kinesiology means that in times of stress, the way that I step away is going on a run or growing to CrossFit. I will tell you that lifting heavy things for some reason always makes me feel better and it makes the solutions to problems just come much easier than sitting at a computer <laughs> to try to solve the problems <laughs> of the world. Oh my God. I'm like all for like a sweaty, painful, like swearing workout, but my family knows this. There's something about weights that is like, ugh, versus like for me going for a run or something cardio, like I need that. I don't know. It's like, cause it's cause you feel strong. Like, okay, I just tackled that. I can take on anything. Let's go. Right? So. If that barbell didn't kill me, then this problem won't either. If I didn't drop the dumbbell on my head, we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. What's your favorite go-to movie? Oh my gosh. I have two kids. I can't tell you the last time that I've seen anything that was for me cool movie that we've recently got into is Spider-Man Far From Home. And I think my 12-year-old loves that movie. So I've seen it about 15 times. <laughs> we, we are a Marvel house, so I can appreciate that. That's awesome. What is your go-to song? Whatever comes up on my playlist once the workout begins. I'll suffer through anything as long as it is loud enough to cover up the out of breath, high heartbeat panting that occurs when working out. So as long as it's loud, I don't care. Louder than a beat probably. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is something you can't live without? My family, for sure. In the midst of a global pandemic and working in healthcare, I went back to school to get my MBA and so I spent those past two years spending every extra moment I had at a computer writing a paper, studying, and I could have never done it without my husband, who is my biggest cheerleader and ultimate support system. And so without him and my two kids, I'd be lost. 
What's something in your ordinary daily life that makes your heart happy? Anything that my kids are doing, I absolutely love, love, love to see them set a tenacious goal and be really stubborn about working to get there and just putting in the sweat equity to make it work. And both of my kids are like that. And so our eight-year-old has just accomplished a round off back handspring, back handspring. And we were at gymnastics the other day and she got the ring, the bell that she got a new skill. And the entire gym went silent and just watched this little kid flip across the mat. And for me, that was the pinnacle of motherhood, you know, to see her just wipe the sweat from her brow, ring the bell, be so proud of something that she accomplished all by herself. It tells us that we're doing something right. My son's the same way at baseball. He'll spend all of his time after practice in the garage, swinging and swinging and swinging until he gets up at the plate and gets a run. It's just I love to see that about them, that they're not looking for someone else to do the work and give it to them. They know that it has to come from them and they're willing to put in the work to be successful. I love that. I would say definitely doing something right as a parent. That's so fantastic. And last but not least, what are you grateful for right now? Everything, I guess. And that's a horrible way to say it, but I'm so privileged. I have such an amazing life. I've got an amazing support system at home. And I have an amazing support system at work and my team and everybody just leans in. And so I guess I'm grateful for the fact that I'm blessed to be surrounded by really amazing people that make me want to be better, make me want to work for myself and to work for them and just really to create those connections and have my own little community. This is my tribe for sure. I love it. An attitude of gratitude. The most wholehearted among us have a regular practice and are intent about gratitude. So that's awesome. So I want to close with one final question. This is your opportunity, Nicole. If you could challenge leaders everywhere to practice this one behavior that would create more human workplaces and equip everyone to show up as a leader, what would that be? Put down your computer, put down your phone, and meet with each and every single team member who reports to you and is in your management line in a place where you can be fully present and engaged with them. It may be on a walk, it may be on a park bench, it may be in a meeting room with no distractions, but challenge yourself to give everyone all of your attention for 30 minutes to an hour. And I think you'll see that it reaps amazing, amazing rewards and outcomes. I love that. And for people who have virtual teams, they can put their computer, <laughs> the computer away, computer but away. close everything else out. Yeah. <laughs> close everything else out and turn on your camera. I think that's a new thing where... Even if people are remote, you just see this block that's their face. They're not turning on their camera anymore. And so much of communication is nonverbal. Turn on your camera, interact. Let me see your facial expressions. Let me see your work environment. Let me build that relationship. If your dog comes in, 
that's awesome too. We're a pet-friendly workplace. So I think those are the things. Do everything you can to create an authentic connection. I'm Rosie Ward, and this is Show Up as a Leader. To learn more, head over to peopleforwardnetwork.com. And of course, hit that follow button.